0: This is It Could Have Been Worse, a podcast where we tell stories, sometimes inspired by real-life events, and sometimes inspired by the things dwelling in our minds. These stories are our attempts to sometimes frighten, but always to entertain. I am your host, Josh. Thank you for joining us at It Could Have Been Worse. Hello, and welcome to Episode 4 of Season 2 of It Could Have Been Worse. Today we have two stories. Our first story is a telling of a grandma's protection from beyond the grave, titled "Pawn." Our second story is a telling of a post-apocalyptic era, titled "Hell on Earth." Thanks for listening, and be sure to subscribe and share. We'll have new episodes coming every Monday, and be sure to check out our pod page at podpage.com/slash-it-could-have-been-worse. And if you like our stories, consider donating to our listener support on our page. Pawn Grandma passed away last week She was old and tired but we weren't ready for it Suddenly she was gone We were all shocked and saddened but had to hurry along with funeral planning We had to strain all our accounts to pay for everything Did you know a coffin costs over $3,000? Yeah, they're stupid expensive and you even need to have one for cremation Anyway, we were financially fucked and grandma was gone The funeral came and went, and we were all in a daze. Mom was obviously sad, but she had also recently retired and was on a fixed income. Dad hadn't been around much since I was around 12. Don't get me wrong, Dad's a good guy, but him and Mom just didn't get along anymore and decided to mutually separate without divorce so they wouldn't have to deal with lawyers and shit. Their words, not mine. He still came by from time to time, and I saw him as often as I wanted, but as I got older, college, and then work got in the way... Stacy, my sister, wasn't much help. She got heavy into drugs when she was 16, just about the time my parents separated, then kicked it when she was 23 only to find Jesus. She often preached, God would guide us, but when we asked for her help with the funeral arrangements she told us God would help us if we needed, but that she couldn't help. Feeling backed into a corner financially, I decided I needed to sell some of Grandma's things. I sold off some of the stuff we didn't need like old TVs and her washer and dryer, dressers and dishes and old clothes and such, but only made about $300. Definitely not enough to pay for the funeral. I didn't want to sell any of her jewelry but I was desperate for cash after taking out a loan to pay for the funeral. I went to my nearest pawn shop and haggled for hours but finally was able to get most of the money to pay back the loan off of grandma's jewelry. They gave me 30 days to pay back the loans for her stuff with a hefty amount of interest tacked on and I assured them I could make the payment date. Then the accident happened and I lost my job. The car came out of nowhere and struck me on the passenger side, totaling my car. I had no way of getting to work 30 miles away from home so my employer fired me. No severance, no offers to help in the slightest. After 10 years, I got nothing. I had enough money to last me a couple weeks, so I started looking for something closer to home. I was nearing my last dollar and was thinking of starting a crowdfunding campaign to help me. I didn't know what to do while I waited for interview callbacks to fast food joints. I thought of selling my own stuff until one night I got a knock on my door. When I went to answer it, I found the front steps barren, except for a small manila envelope with my name on it. I opened it up, and inside were my grandma's earrings and a note. Dear Jeff, I got your info from the pawn shop. I have to return these to you. There's something evil about them. They're cursed or something. I put them on, excited to go on a date with my husband and almost immediately cut myself on a smooth glass cup I was drinking from. It was minimal, but the rest of the night just kept getting worse. Like I had the worst luck, but it went away the moment I took them off. Then that night I had terrible nightmares. Turned out it was your grandmother and she was threatening my life if I didn't return the earrings to you. I thought it was just a bad dream, but my luck grew worse by the day. My nail broke while I was washing my dishes. My tire went flat suddenly. My key broke in my door to my office. My dog got hit by a car. My husband and I got hit in his car while going to the store. And every time something bad happened, I saw the old lady from my nightmare. I blinked a bit, unbelievingly. These were definitely grandma's earrings, but the story was just unbelievable. The next few days, saw more envelopes and packages coming with similar stories and return items I sold to the pawn shop. With each item I got back, I felt like my luck was improving. I got a call back from a law firm two streets over for a tent position, but they offered me full time at a much higher rate than I asked. I tried my luck at a lottery ticket with my last dollar and hit the jackpot. When I went to pick up my winnings, they somehow made a mistake on the printing of the ticket and I actually won twice the jackpot. Everything seemed to be going great until I got a visit from the police. I thought it was another piece of my grandma's jewelry when I answered the door. I was both right and horribly wrong. The officer held out an evidence bag with a bloody necklace that I recognized as my grandma's. He asked if I recognized it and I told him yes without thinking. They quickly placed me under arrest and took me in under suspicion of murder. All the evidence found at the scene pointed back to me somehow. My name was written on a piece of paper covered in blood that read, Return the necklace to Jeff or you will die. I told them, wouldn't I write me instead of my name? Besides, I've been at home all week. They asked if I could prove that I hadn't left the house, but I had no way of proving it. They locked me up and I was set for trial in two weeks. I was fucked. The night before my trial, I woke to screaming from outside my cell. I jumped up and ran to the door and saw a guard crawling towards me. A look of shock plastered across his face. I recoiled when I saw his legs were missing and he was dragging his guts behind him. The lights flickered off and on and I heard a scream and then gunshots. More shouting and I heard someone shout, They're just going right through her! More shots and I heard Grandma's voice in a deep growl. Let him out, or you will join me in hell. Hell on Earth The bullet ripped through the flesh like butter. My face was soaked in the dark crimson a moment after as I moved quickly so as not to give away my position. All around me I could hear shouting mixed with gunfire, pain screaming and pleading for mercy, guttural sounds as soldiers and civilians alike were ripped apart by gunfire and inhuman beasts. It was hell on earth. Literally. Hell was unleashed on July 7th of the year 2077. The Christian fundamentalists got their numbers wrong and worshipped sevens, which turned out to be the true number of the beasts. The rapture happened just as they said, but those that ascended were the people who lived their lives justly. Many most were deemed sinners due to their intolerance towards anyone they deemed a sinner by their beliefs. The day it started began as the most peaceful day on earth. There were zero acts of aggression in global politics. No munitions exchanges between neighboring borders. No reported acts of civilian violence. Every person you interacted with all said the same thing, as if reading from a script, but quite genuinely, that they felt like they got a full night's rest and they weren't noticing any of their chronic ailments. It was almost as if the world was at peace, the calm before the storm. They came from the sky, the place no one expected. Everyone would assume demons would emerge from the bowels of the earth but they instead ripped a hole in the sky and descended in wave after wave of winged and burning atrocities. In unison, the whole world looked to the sky, a huge scar opening and revealing the terror of what was once the worst of the afterlife. Suddenly, some people started to rise off the ground as if being lifted gently by unseen hands. Some struggled, fearful to be propelled closer to the falling barrage of fiery demons and their ilk. Others rejoiced as they rose to their salvation, praising their respective deity of choice. The Ascending soon realized the folly of their rising as the descending demonic army soon saw their opportunity and leapt eagerly to diminish the Chosen. Screaming filled the air as bodies fell unceremoniously to the surface, their forms hitting the ground with a sickening thud. Their bodies started to twist upon impact with the earth into mangled abominations that soon began to attack their former brethren. The world's military powers were soon assembled, and the skies were filled with jets shooting down and being shot down by demons. The ground shook as the undead rose from the depths of their graves and began attacking with a speed thought impossible by anything once living. Ancient leviathans cracked the sea apart and spread throughout the waters. Massive beasts roam the lands in an all-out maelstrom of death and destruction. Since that day, we've estimated about 3 billion lives were lost during the initial invasion. Those that survived started a resistance against the demonic assault. We learned from the losses of our friends and devised tactics to combat their forces. We've given names to many of their different types and have spread our info along with any that are willing to help us fight. There are some, however, that have idolized the damned and have started to hunt their fellow men in order to gain reverence with the demons. It doesn't take long for the demons to find them and destroy them anyway. They care only for the absolute annihilation of humanity. Religious organizations tried sending missionaries to try to combat the creatures, but soon found religious symbols did not affect them in any way. The only way to kill a demon was to destroy it utterly. Despite coming from an often fiery hellscape, they had to be burned. Left unburned, they would rise within a day or two and attack with a rage that would never subside until it was put down by flames. The gargantuan among them had to be burned using very high temperatures so as to destroy them rapidly. If they returned to consciousness before being destroyed, they would regenerate their wounds entirely. Small caliber rounds only seemed to slow them down and the only real way to stop them seemed to be heavy ordnance. Explosions worked well, severing their limbs worked well, and napalm works best. The high heat and the fact that it sticks to the bastards seems to take them down quickly. For the first few months we gathered all the supplies we could to make it and it seemed like we were making a significant dent in their numbers. Unfortunately, after just six months, our supplies ran dry and they pushed back even harder. Many months of fighting to stay alive, we've gotten used to running. Most of our days are spent trying to avoid a fight because after this long, we lack the strength and numbers to fight. Some camps say there is a large resistance building up under some caverns in the desert in the southwest U.S., but we can't know for sure. My group has been making our way over that direction ever since we heard about it. Picking up anyone who wants to try to fight for our freedom from eternal damnation with guns and explosions. I can still remember my first encounter with them. It was about a week after the invasion, and reports had already been aired on TV and later the radio, so we knew more or less what to expect. One of the smaller winged beasts was moving solo throughout our neighborhood, and myself and a small group of neighbors caught it by surprise. We hadn't seen them up close until now, and goddamn were they ugly. They stand about 5 feet, maybe 6 feet tall, and they smell like a rotting animal soaked in shit. Their faces are very much human-like, but with open weeping sores that emit the foul odor. Their mouths open all the way to the hinge of their jaws, and they have three separate tongues that protrude up to three feet out of their mouths, and on them are small spines that can rip flesh like a surgical scalpel. Their teeth are sickeningly human-like, but some have rotted or jagged teeth that bleed dark viscous blood, They have long, skinny necks that end at a skeletal-looking torso wrapped in a dry, leathery skin. Their arms are thin and sinewy, and their hands, although also human-like, end in elongated nails, but are strong enough to tear apart metal with ease. Their abdomens are devoid of organs, even when ripped open, but they have an insatiable appetite and can eat perpetually. Finally, their legs bend backward at the knee and their feet are elongated like a dog's but are still human in appearance. These smaller beasts fell easily and burned up pretty quickly. Others weren't so easy but we soon found ways to combat them using our limited resources. Just last year it spread of a captured demon that was unable to regenerate. Scientists were trucked in to study it and after months of work they reported they learned to communicate with the beast or so they say. I haven't heard anything since, but maybe there's a way to learn from this one and fight back. So, here we are in the year 2080 and still fighting back, waiting for the so-called second coming of Christ for backup. Some are still holding out hope, but most of us are more realistic. God abandoned us when he saw his chosen ascending and being slaughtered by the fallen, or maybe the fallen came from heaven after killing God. What's that? There's a broadcast coming in on every radio. They sound panicked. There's distance screaming in the background of the audio. I can hear a snarling sound getting louder. those were our stories for this week. Thank you for listening. Please come back next time for another episode of It Could Have Been Worse.